Hey everyone, this is Carbide Content. I'm David from Contraption Collection. I am I'm Grant Dan. from Fellowship Blades. I'm Dalen from MachineWise. I'm John from Triaxis. And we also have Lucas from Squid Industries. Hey everyone, thanks for having me. Thanks uh, for coming. So we usually just talk about like uh, how our week's gone and what kind of stuff we're, what problems we're trying to solve and stuff. Um, so uh lucas you were you're saying like you've been sick and you just you just got back you want to tell us a little bit what's going on over there sure yeah so i mean um unfortunately last week i I was pretty ill it was just the flu so that's good uh, nothing nothing too serious i think i was more upset that i got that sick considering i just got the flu shot like three weeks prior to that oh Oh, gosh i I was feeling like extra confident i was prepared for the season and then to get that sick is oh no but that's how viruses go. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like everyone's getting sick. But yeah, you know, <clears throat> I haven't been in the office in about a week. And you know, I was working from home just trying to understand and manage as much as I could remotely uh, in the limited time that I had. So, you know, coming back today, it's kind of hectic just trying to understand where all of the projects are and where everybody is and try to reorient myself so that everyone knows our current and future goals Yep. So, yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm sure like like the rest of you guys, like obviously the holiday season is a very important quarter for us. And Oh, yeah. You know, trying to make sure that we hit all of our goals for at least the month of December is, is really yep. critical. So it's it's not like cram time like it is for a Blade show, but it has, for me, like similar um, levels of urgency just because we want to really make sure that we're capturing this moment in time as effectively as we can. Right. Yeah. yeah, it sounds like Cyber Monday, Black Friday stuff went good for Dalen and Grant, I think. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, we did. We did really well. Uh, we were very busy. What uh, what percentage discount did you guys end up doing? Yeah, you want to go first, Grant? Yeah, I, well, I think we both did 20. Um, yeah, we, yep. It was 20 store-wide. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, Actually, the past four years I've done the Black Friday sale, we'd, we'd actually only done 15. And um, I think last year we had a relatively disappointing Black Friday. Okay. Um, I do want to also say that uh, we could have probably done a little bit more advertising on our end. Um, so that could have also contributed to it. Um, mm-hmm. So that this year. Do you do any advertising besides uh, social media stuff like well, Instagram? I mean, um, yeah, I mean, we, we did a lot of emailing. Uh, we oh, did. Right. Uh, not only did we have emailing, we had like pop-ups and headers on our website for people who aren't on the email list. We did you know, all of our platforms. And we were, we were trying to post pretty much at least something every day just to sort of like remind people um, mm-hmm. that, that something was going on. And so I think... Uh, all of that marketing effort, in addition to us increasing the percentage from 15 to 20, I think is what made it successful for us this year. Nice, nice. So, yeah, one thing that's actually, um, I guess it's not, it's not going to ask me a secret, but one thing that we're planning on launching soon, and this is an idea that you know, I, I think that all of you either have or will be doing sooner, yeah, it's nothing... <clears throat> nothing crazy is that we're going to be doing a um, kind of like a holiday gift box. Oh, um, nice. 
never got around to it from previous years. And we've, we've had bundles before. Um, that's easy to do in software. You just have things put together right. with a discount. But we decided to go a little bit further and we bought some custom packaging. So it's, it's like a bigger box that's, um, you know, I would say like eight inches by eight inches by two inches. And essentially it contains, you know, one product, uh, one maintenance kit, um, and then like a couple other accessories. So that, uh, you know, for let's say somebody who's trying to buy a gift for right. a friend or a family member who's in the hobby. For me, I, I wanted to remove the purchasing experience of like researching and trying to understand like, oh, like I don't know what to get. Mm. And so we have like a beginner, intermediate, and advanced box that we kind of like have options pre-selected. So yeah, hopefully cool. make that experience better for customers. They can just choose whatever's in their budget. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, it, I think it looks pretty cool. And I think that hopefully it makes great gifts for people this Christmas. Yeah, that's a super, super cool idea. I like that. <clears throat> Do you uh, want to talk about any like, kind of difficult stuff you've been dealing with uh not necessarily you know when you've been sick but maybe before like you know i'm not sure how much time you spend in the machine shop but you know there's lots of different machines you've Um, you've talked about at different times with us there's a couple of things that are at the forefront for us right now um first one is probably going to be the is the hydro and i've been meaning to launch that product for a while now (laughs) you know i mean like i'm sure like people have memed on this and rightfully so that we haven't launched it yet. And the grinder has just been tricky for us to really dial in exactly what we want. Right. So I feel like we're, we're, we're always making progress, but it's just, it's not, um, it's not where we need it to be. And it's not the quality that I was looking for. So grinder. it's a Seedman actually, not a burger. Oh, oh, a Seedman yeah. blade grinder. Yeah. And, and that's, speak ill about Seatman. It's more so about right. us, um, us as operators and not the machine. But Do you think it's like harder to uh, to use or set up than you expected? Um, I think it's just harder to dial in the exact geometry that we're looking for. And I think that has to do more so with our experience. Um, either that or the quality of parts that we're putting into the grinder. It's probably a combination of both. Okay. So, I would say that's probably the only thing that's holding us back from launching the product. We we have handles um, made, and we seem to be able to grind the uh, the blades so that we can start assembly. So nice. I, I feel like we're getting very close to dialing in op one. So that's you know halfway. Yeah. And, and hopefully, hopefully op two goes smoother. But yeah, yeah right. We, we thought we'd be there for Blade Show West, but in the end, we had hundreds of blanks or blades that we just. Um, that weren't perfect. It's really the the Tanto that's k- kind of killing us. Is Interesting. That, um, getting the geometry between the two, the primary and the secondary panel to line up perfectly with that straight, right. um, that straight line going right to the corner of the edge. Oh, mm-hmm. that makes sense. Yeah. It, yeah. it just, it's, it's, it's like ever so slightly off and some of them um, have like curved lines. And so that's the hydro. Yeah, the other yeah. thing is uh, probably that we're facing is like transitioning stuff to the horizontal uh, like we have a lot of processes dialed in in our verticals. And so like we, we're hoping to like make pallets and put them on tombstones and then put them into the horizontal. But it just, it just wasn't, isn't that simple. A lot of our right. processes, they're not converting. I would say the number one thing that's not working out is just key seat cutters in general. Oh. Mm. 
the coolant delivery is not as good as it is on the vertical because the uh, right. the way the coolant nozzles are on the horizontal, uh, we don't get the same angle that we do on the verticals because um, the coolant mm. nozzles are kind of stuck onto the spindle head from like short stubby nozzles. So, and whereas the vertical, you've got these like long lock line nozzles that you can like stick right next yeah, to anywhere it. you need. Um, and um, so, yeah, so chip evacuation and coolant delivery are actually preventing us from really capitalizing on that. So I think we, we do have some processes in there that work great, but it's just not nearly as um, far along as I, as I wanted the horizontal to be. Does it have uh, through spindle coolant? Yeah, yeah, it does. Mm-hmm. Finding a key seat cutter though that supports through spindle well, is bordering. No, I, I, I thought that he uses custom tools for maybe tools, but I thought like you know maybe there's different types of collets that try to like you know push push the coolant different ways or different holders that might push it a different way. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, we've we've tried all of those, and some of them help more than others but uh it's something we're still experimenting with right now we're actually right. moving one of the we're moving the madco handles back to the vertical because uh it was just it was just so good there and mm. uh, we thought it would easily transition over but it, it didn't so yep. now we're gonna bring it back and make enough parts to buy us more time before we're ready to bring it to the horizontal again definitely um, is the long-term goal for the horizontal to basically run lights out as often yeah, as I, mean, I, think, I think that anyone who buys a horizontal yeah right Right. I mean, yep. So we we got a little bit of lights out, but not nearly as much and as often as we'd like it to be. Okay. So, um, I say the last thing that hurdles wise is the water jet has been a pain in the butt. Man, that <laughs> really that machine is awesome, <laughs> and it also sucks. I, oh, interesting. I'd say it's one of my favorite and least favorite machines. It's so finicky, and it it's a, we've already had the service techs look at it twice oh so um, it's like a technical problem not a yeah not like hitting tolerances or something i think they looked at it three times one of those was our fault because we crashed it but um how, how do you crash a water jet like the, the nozzle, nozzle down see, that's 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 another great question is that <laughs> we, they claimed that we clamped the material hard enough that the material bowed up and hit the nozzle. But we're talking, we have a hundred thousands clearance and this was a five eighths thick titanium plate. Like, oh, yeah. you, I, uh, there's no way that Vince is that strong. Um, seriously. So if you have a way to clamp it that hard, let me know, please. Yeah. So like that crash and that repair was really sour for me because I, I don't mind paying for a repair that we cause a damage for. But right. in the end, we were never able to decipher how and why it crashed. We, we, we never changed the program. Um, and it was already middle midway through the material. So that, that actually just went um, kind of undefined, and we still don't know why. So hopefully it doesn't happen That's again. That's rough. It, right? Seriously. Um, Interesting. We also had the intensifier. I, I believe it's, it's one of the major components of the pump that generates pressure. Mm-hmm. Uh, not the motor itself they call it the intensifier i don't know what it does but oh, it they, they they had to replace that unit um and that put our machine down for a week a week and a Yeesh. half and luckily it was covered under warranty which is great and i didn't know yeah. anything but the downtime was was really brutal oh yeah in addition to that they also don't know why 
the intensifier broke. They said, oh, well, your, your inlet water temperature is too high, but our water, um, when we measured out of the faucets in the shop that uses the same water system, is the temperature is fine. So mm-hmm. um, another mystery that they cannot solve. So actually, one thing that I'm investigating at the moment is figuring out if we can upgrade our laser cutter to a higher kilowatt so that we can cut all of our titanium in there. Oh, interesting. What happens at that point with the water jet? Do you just, does it sit? Uh, I'm going to get rid of it. <laughs> I don't blame you, honestly. Yeah. 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 I mean, we, we've had our laser go down like I hit, like once or twice. Wow. But, I mean, not nearly, like that's across the past three years. I've had, or two yeah, years. Yeah, you've had it for a while. Um, but I've had the water jet running since May or April. We've, we've had like total cumulatively easily like a month's worth of downtime across all that. Yeesh. That's wild. So, yeah, it's eh, love-hate relationship. Yeah, yeah. right. Uh, is it as easy as just swapping out the like laser unit for your fiber laser to just up the power? I I mean, I don't know. In theory. I'm not for quotes. The, <laughs> uh, they told me that upgrading the power will cost close to like 195K, uh, which is basically the entire cost of the water jet. Almost, uh, oh, really? which is wow. ironic, but also like considering the fact that the machine, the laser machine itself, I think the MSRP is around like 280, 290. The fact that just the okay. power supply is two thirds of the cost is, is kind of crazy. I actually don't know how much it's cool to to actually go from, let's say, four kilowatts to six kilowatts, which is what we're kind yeah. of asking them for. Okay. Um, but Can you just like trade in the laser for? A different one asked, or I asked it. it it's it's you know it's it's tough. I mean, like just imagine, you know, I mean for any of us, right? Like can a customer right. trade in their ballast on for another one? I mean, they're really yeah. 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 the answer is no, yeah. right? But then talk to a machine uh-huh. tool builder, you know, who knows? It, it's hard to obviously sell used machinery. That's that's tough. Yes, right? yeah, it but, is. Yeah. Um his answer was like probably no. So I'm not hoping for right. that. Right, yeah. Yeah. Worst case scenario, I, I get to keep a backup four kilowatt laser power supply. Right. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, well, I think yeah. now we all know for the future if we're going to get a fiber laser, go six kilowatt or more. That's that's only if you want to cut half inch or five eighths tie. You know, like right now we're Fair. cutting the, we're cutting the hydro handles, which I believe is close to three sixteenths tie okay. on the on the laser because it's so much faster and and the yeah. cuts the quality is actually really good. It's just yeah. not power to cut through thicker yep have you tried so, like what what happens it just makes a puddle on <laughs> the top i haven't tried yet i haven't attempted anything like too thick I, if i would imagine it, it would just probably melt and burn and go halfway through it right and, like i guess i could turn down the speed and have it dwell and maybe just maybe it'll just turn into magma i have no idea <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's interesting i guess i don't know how much higher the like melting point of grade five titanium is than steel because you can cut pretty, pretty thick steel, right? <laughs> I've never tried. No, I, I think the thickest we've ever gone was uh, four inch. I guess that okay. makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I guess you wouldn't have to cut very thick steel. Yeah, uh, maybe five thirty-two, five sixteenths is when we cut for the megalodon. So mm-hmm. you should be able to cut pretty thick steel on that thing. But the I think the big problem with tie is it's a uh, thermal. Uh, I don't know. It's not thermal conductivity. It's 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 emission of thermal properties uh, is really slow. So if you're pumping heat into it and you're not pumping it through it, 
then it's just going to heat the whole sheet up. Yeah, really that, fast. I get what you mean. Yeah. That makes sense. <clears throat> so interesting. And like you guys were telling me, maybe it was, weren't you guys telling me like how like the laser cutter actually is like flashing is, is more powerful than like actually like holding on the laser. Or maybe I was watching a video about this. Uh, I don't, I know it, that's true for our, our little fiber lasers. Um, it, it's more, it's efficient. just like welding. Like it has a frequency yeah. to it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm fairly confident that, you know, like all, Ours included that all lasers can technically go above their rated power, but just not for sustained periods of time. Right. Yeah. Uh, we we could probably pull it up to like five or six, but maybe for like only like let's say like a minute worth of cutting before. Yeah. No, no. I mean, if anything, I was going to say maybe the dwelling wouldn't even work because of uh-huh. the way the the weird kind of uh, physics of of laser cutting works. Um. Maybe I just got to do multiple passes. More <laughs> spring passes. Oh yeah, yeah. That works with spring, spring passes. passes. <laughs> no, I'm scared. I, I, I don't imagine that would work. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Can you do that on a water jet? Can you cut? Uh, like, uh, I well, that was never covered in the training, so I'm gonna I'm gonna guess no. <laughs> that would that probably make a big mess. I I mean, you could like if it's already cut through, you could do a spring pass. You know, maybe to yeah. straighten the edge or something. But no, I don't think you want to cut halfway through a part. <laughs> Yeah, probably not. Because it it would probably flare out at the bottom, uh, wherever it stopped. Yeah. Um. Well, yeah. I mean, like, I I guess we could talk about uh the rest of our week. So if you uh if you want. Yeah, I'm down. Who wishes to go? Let's start with you, David. What's what's been going on for you? Well, I mean, I I guess I had Thanksgiving, like you guys hopefully all did. <laughs> Um, but besides that, um, I actually knocked out like a ton of parts I wanted just for like scissor adjustment this week. Okay. And it like makes me just love it. Like op ones, like op ones where you just, it's like, Oh, I have all these parts. I'll just do all the op ones. I just keep the same work coordinate system and just throwing different shapes in the vice. And it just, it just all works out. And then it all kept working out. And so I got, I made like a, some different like bending blocks for blades. I made some like fake handles that I can put on scissors so that I have some handles that like, I won't feel bad messing up um, that have like some other special features to them to help test blades and they can't work as bell scissors. They're just like fixed. Um, And uh, another like sharpening jig and another, like I I modified my AMK grinder and I don't, maybe I talked about that last time. I saw the Um, picture. And so, uh, yeah, I just uh I've just been organizing the shop uh today, but now I'm now I'm uh I got like a whole I don't know, 50 heat treated blades in front of me or something and so oh, nice. hopefully in the next week maybe a, you know, sellable pair of scissors comes out of them. Nice. Nice. That's super exciting. So, yep. Um I don't Those know if, I don't know if there's have. anything Sorry, go ahead. I'll just say those 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 heat treated blades are those ones that he sh- you heat treated in house or are those ones that were uh, that you got back from a different vendor? Um, no, no, they're they're uh, I I heat treated them through Byington Steel or Byington okay, Blades. Cool. Yeah. Did you have them do anything fancy or anything different on them, or did you just basically plate quench and you're going to bend them yourself? No, no, no nothing fancy. It's not too okay. it's, it's just they can hit a lower hardness more accurately than it seems like I can. Okay. 
Um, as well as just, I think it's good doing the, you know, vacuum furnace and stuff. And yeah, I can, you know, it takes me so long to like, I don't know. I, I, well, whatever, whatever. I've talked about this before. I think that the quality is good and, and I, oh, I totally, uh, yeah. hope to, to get back into it. I also nice. got those blades I've been waiting a year for, believe oh, it or you, not. Oh, you got sick. them? I, I, um, uh, I think Lucas knows the company I worked with, but I, I feel like I just don't like being mean or throwing people under the bus, but, no, totally. uh, they, uh, yeah, I, I got six, uh, blades, uh, which is not the number I originally agreed upon. Yeah. Wasn't and, it like uh, way more than that? It's, it's not way, way more for the initial sample. Oh, uh, okay. It's, it's way, way more if for the entire run. Right. Um, I'll say that they look okay, but that it's not like the miracle I thought it was. You know, I was hoping that, uh-huh. you know, when I but, when I did this oh, like a year ago, I thought like, oh, this company's cool. Let's just try it. And like, maybe it'll just be like the thing and it'll kind of stink that I'm not making the blades, but, yeah. you know, it'll just solve everything. And, uh, you know, just uh, hasn't worked out that way. So hopefully... Uh, well, I don't know. I don't know what else to say about that. I, I need to yeah. decide wh- how I feel about it and what I want to do moving right. forward so I don't end up in the same situation again. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I definitely didn't like put anything on hold because of this. I didn't just wait yeah, for a totally. year for these blades. No. Uh, I mean, that's what makes it upsetting is I got a whole three-phase power to my building, a VF2, brand new fixtures, <laughs> a brand new method of making blades. <laughs> I've probably made like 200 blades myself. Right. Or, you know, like, I mean, I don't know if I made 200, but I've definitely made like a hundred blades in various States easily. And, uh, so whatever, at least it's over sort of. Right. uh, Well, silver lining, I guess is, um, the fact that, uh, it's very clearly difficult for, you know, much larger shops to do it. So you should definitely feel good about where they're at so far coming from you. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, I sometimes feel really bad about how long things have taken. I, I mean, by sometimes I mean all of the time, but sometimes there's things that make <laughs> me feel okay. And like, I guess it's a little validating that they've had so much trouble because right. they definitely didn't do nothing for the whole year either. No, totally. um, they, they did try and they did try things I didn't try. Um, and I still need a, I still can mess around with them a little bit. Mm-hmm. What stinks is in a year I've also made some of my own design improvements that aren't aren't you know in these blades, right? Um, and then I think the lesson I've learned that I've learned a few times is just you you often really just have to have multiple things going and like if anything maybe I should have had even more going like you know trying to get more than one company and myself trying to make these blades see what happens or or the whole scissors um, like on a smaller scale. Just I'll try to be quick, but, uh, you know, I, I feel like I learned this lesson a little bit today where a little while ago. So like like 10 years ago, I was getting into woodworking and I bought this little tiny Hitachi chop saw and then I got into machining and I switched out the blade for just some 
aluminum cutting blade I found. And I thought it's probably bad to do that with a chop saw, but I did it anyway. And it, it's works great. And it's been my primary aluminum cutter for like years and years and years. And at some point I got a, uh, you know, different cold cut Makita saw or whatever for steel. And that also worked great. But then somehow I like tried to cut something round on the chop saw and I broke some of the, the teeth. And instead of just buying another one, I'm like, you know, maybe I should, uh, uh, you know, find a better alternative. I should get another cold cut saw that has a better clamping thing, uh, and, and set it up for, up for aluminum. I'm using it on the floor. I should get like a bench, whatever. And, uh, you know, you know, when I like made all this, these thoughts and decisions and I broke that blade like five months ago. And so I've been cutting aluminum with the steel one instead Maybe, maybe that was an exaggeration, like three months ago or something. Yep. And, uh, and like, it's clogging up. It's a pain. I have to like pull chunks of aluminum out of it. It's probably ruining that blade. Um, and so instead of just being like, oh, you know, I'm always about like, you should improve everything. You should always be trying to improve, you know, whatever. But I should have like done both. Instead of just thinking like, oh, that's something I can improve, you know, and add it to a list of like an infinite number of things I can improve. I should have just bought the blade because I knew it would work and, and had that option, had that backup, and then also, you know, looked for some better chop saw or band saw or whatever, you know. But I, but, but I screwed myself and waited, you know, a long time because I was trying to be perfectly efficient. I was trying to be perfectly optimized and not, you know, buy a saw I didn't need because I was, you know, replacing it. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I'm- yep. I, on the similar vein, uh, but I think it's just probably the same moral of the story is the fail fast, fail cheap kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Is instead of spending a year thinking about doing something and getting everything together and then clicking a button, it's like, go make a dirty prototype and see if it works today right. and then work your way into full-fledged. Because if it doesn't work, you're, you'll figure that out faster. Move on. And yeah, at the end totally. of the day, time is, time is more valuable than anything else. No, it's just like with with prototypes or like bigger business ideas, you're like, yeah, fail fast. But it's just all these little things where you're just like, oh, I could save a little money here. I could be a little more efficient here. Like like it's every level because, you know, I I think the first time I talked about this, I was like, I'm going to get a Tormox surface grinder and I don't have high expectations. And I'm going to try getting Lucas or a couple other companies to do surface grinding or double disc grinding for me. And that was a more expensive thing. And, and it probably didn't work out as good because I haven't gotten a ton of use out of the the uh, Tormox surface grinder. But again, it's still like, well, at least I have it and at least I learned and I'm not like stuck, you know, wondering while waiting for the slow Tormox. You know, I'm not stuck wondering, uh, you know, if it would be better if someone else did it or I'm not stuck, you know, frustrated, uh you know, thinking like, you know, if I got like a used surface grinder, I'm not thinking like, oh, I should have just got the Tormach. It would have been perfect. And then not realizing right. the Tormach mm-hmm. also kind of sucks. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, sometimes these, you know, I think often you just have to do multiple things at the same time and you know, that are the same thing. And, and sometimes it's kind of an expensive thing that doesn't work out great. But sometimes you just you need that backup. You need that safe option. Yeah. I mean, I, I can only get behind that. Um, on the flip side, it's also potentially easy to overextend yourself. So there's definitely a balance. It's it's tough because it's also like the lean stuff. It's, you know, I definitely have like, you know, too many screws, sizes I probably won't use, too many random 
you know, bits and bobs and, and tools I th- I've thought I need and don't. And, right. and then you have to, like I did today, you have to like kind of go through an organization day where you're just like, I should put all these in a different room or throw them out because they're not the tools I use every day yep. or screws or whatever. Right, right. How, uh, well, sorry. Or John, was that you? I got questions for Lucas before he has to go. So sure, thought, sure. Yeah, man, yeah, what's up? Let's hear it. So I just, I was working today and then I was like, I should probably write some stuff down before I forget, like to ask things kind of thing. Cause sometimes it feels like you just sit there and wonder what to talk about. So, <laughs> so basically how do you guys handle, um, product demand and the actual machining flow? Do you guys make products, stock them on the shelf and then just sell them? And then based on that demand, uh, refill that inventory or do you guys actually make product as an order comes in? Uh, I just trying to figure out how to do my stuff. Cause I kind of suck. Yeah. I mean, it definitely depends on where you want your efficiency to go and how you want to collect your data. Obviously, you know, this, the, the latter way that you mentioned where you build to order is least wasteful, right? Because you're not building inventory. So but obviously the downsides of that is the extra lead time that you have to provide to the customer and the strain of dealing with unexpected volume, right? right. Um, whereas the former, which is what we currently do, which is where you basically plan a certain amount of inventory to hopefully sell across a, a certain period of time. So for us, um, that's been the business model that we've always done mm-hmm. because it's always been the simplest for us to manage internally. You know, of course, you know, we do run into the common issues of under and overproduction. Um, it's difficult for anyone to understand exactly what the community that, you know, your customer base wants exactly. And, you know, as we sell it, we obviously try to track as much data as possible to understand sales trends mm-hmm. so that we can come out with, you know, better variations, improve the product or ultimately pivot and discontinue it. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I would say that I, I prefer that system because it gives me uh, the relief knowing that um, the products are ready for the customer, whereas, you know, building to order, it is less wasteful. But if you run into an issue and you've already made promises then it becomes extremely stressful to make sure that you can still hit that promise with your limited um, resources. So you yeah. know, if, if things go wrong, that's where it really goes wrong. Um, but if things yeah. go great, then you will definitely reap a lot of benefits from that. Right. So. What I find, what I find interesting, or at least the way I think is there's like, obviously lean's a very popular term today, especially with Instagram and, and YouTube. And mm-hmm. I feel like, at least on my scale, I try to think about that kind of stuff, but I don't believe that with the way at least my mind is. I don't know if I can implement it on my, just the way I am, I guess. What what ends up happening is like, if I try to do a build-to-order type thing, I end up going, okay, well, I need these parts. Let me walk over to the machine and run these parts. But my confidence in that posted program that was posted three months ago is not there kind of thing because there isn't like an actual process that's back that that whole thing up so then i'm like oh well i gotta repost the code so then you repost the code using 
I'm using fusion, but like mm-hmm. then, oh, there's a, there's a error or whatever, or there's a, a chamfer that I don't like. So you end up changing these things when you're just trying to make these parts, uh, as, as lean as possible, essentially. Mm-hmm. So what I've been thinking is like, like as you guys are doing is kind of inventory things more in a stack and it's more like quote unquote wasteful. But I think for me mentally, it's a little bit easier to just be like, oh, this order came in. I can take these parts, I can anodize them, and then I can put it together. But if an order comes in and I'm like, oh God, I have to make an entire knife worth of parts, mm-hmm. the like that mental barrier of actually starting that task seems to be really difficult for me personally. Mm-hmm. Um, and it feels like lean, you really have to have like a stable product that you can build a really stable process around to be able to like forecast that stuff and be able to make it like uh, as an order comes in kind of thing. So right. that that's kind of the same thing that happened to me is, is last year I didn't want to just auction one. I, I really wanted to like auction 20 and have them all be like special first editions with all different colors, all different patterns and stuff. But I realized just, I didn't trust my parts and things to fit together enough. And I didn't know how much, spare stuff to make it's not exactly the same but i was kind of trying to do that and so you know i've now decided i'm just i'm just doing what i know no works and and i'm gonna you know stick with one design for a while right yeah i mean yeah i'm kind of like i'm in a in a weird in between of what you were talking about john Mm -hmm. um my goal was to kind of structure like how lucas does and just have finished inventory and have it available um but i kept designing products based off of the same platform and they're all interchangeable. So we just like two or three, yeah, what, two months ago, we decided to say whatever and open up an entire configurator on our site. Mm -hmm. So we're, we're in this weird in-between right now where we have a lot of inventory and a lot of parts, but uh, we opened up a, just a custom order build to order system. And we're trying to make sure we maintain our inventory count of parts. So Mm -hmm. everything is just pick parts anodize assemble and ship but now we're because of holidays and everything else we're we're basically just straight up made to order now right because you have those pick bins or whatever however you store inventory and then yep. you're and like they got cleared oh, out pretty much yeah so yeah on that when something like that happens do you have an actual plan for what needs to be made first based on like i don't know yeah you know material takes x amount of weeks to get in is there any yeah, sort so, of plan like that in place uh, both fortunately and unfortunately, we've stocked like eight months worth of titanium and mm-hmm. and and various nice. blade steels. Uh, it's yeah. both fantastic and a little bit scary because you look at that and go, oh, that is that's a lot, a lot of money, money in titanium. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, bulk savings, man. The bulk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it, I, well, was, yeah. You Dude, probably it, bought it at a cheaper time, though. So also that. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So fortunately, we're we're good on material for a long, long time. Um, I've also been extremely lucky to have like Martin. He's been an incredible asset to this. Um, he's very meticulous. He he's very good at Excel and and data management and forecasting. So today we we set out an entire plan for the next about six weeks for the like two hundred and thirty knives we have to make in like mm-hmm. six weeks. Oh yeah. Yeah, but we're also lucky that we have very dialed-in processes for all of our products. Most of our products live on well, a single machine. Well, when you first started talking about this, what I thought was like, it, you know, 
I love customization. I, you know, right. I, I thought it'd be super cool, but what I thought was where you get in trouble is if you have too many options, like where <laughs> it's, it's hard to keep inventory for anything because there's so many different colors and things. Right. Do you, so, I mean, do you have an idea of like side, how many? Okay. Well, if we ignore, well, actually, yeah, if we ignore aluminum, we like the actual colors of aluminum, we have, what was it? It was something like 30 something unique configurations between our products now. Mm -hmm. It's a lot. I mean, if you, if you do all the multiplication, bad. it gets, it's, gets, it gets crazy. weird. That's, that's not yeah. what I was talking about. No, yeah. I just mean, like, maybe John should make, like, three different type of scales he sells, not ten, you know, at the well, start, at uh, least. Well, rolling rolling on that question, where do you stop the inventory? Do you stop it before it gets colored, and you say, okay, when an order comes in for this color, we take this blank handle and then color it? Or do you inventory colors? Because, obviously, if you start inventorying colors, you're going to need to... We're, for titanium, we, we just inventory raw parts. Oh, and we have a bunch of laser options now for our blades. So, like, blades and titanium stuff, we just we inventory the raw parts, and then mm -hmm. everything forward from there is... You customize is, that yeah. at order. Yeah, exactly. Okay. For the aluminum, we're... Our initial goal was to inventory, you know, whatever colors that we can have through our anodizer. And mm -hmm. in in some colors on like Prisma V1s, we're totally fine. In other colors, like on, on Prisma Pros, we're not quite there, but we have a we have a good backlog of unanodized handles. Mm -hmm. And we're really lucky that uh, we have an anno shop that's like 30 minutes from our shop and they right. usually get our parts to us in two days. Right. So, so is, yeah. Lucas, do well, you do something of the same? Actually, um, it depends on the product line, but actually, we try to do both, actually. Because um, your question was, do you, do you stock it in colored form or non-colored form? Yeah, basically, uh, how, how far up the chain do you go in inventory? Yeah, I, I guess it depends on uh, a variety of things. You know, for one, like, if we have the setup and if we want to build inventory, and, and two, like, you know, what our predictions of what we're planning to sell you know, either online or at a, you know, a trade show or let's say like an online retailer, we've, you know, we know an order will come through based on repeat history. So mm -hmm. we'll, we'll try to choose like a particular timeline. Um, and sometimes it is vague, you know, you know, let's say we'll decide like, okay, we, we want to have six weeks of this particular handle in stock because we want to allocate this machine to six weeks of something else so that we know that while this machine is down for another job, uh, we have plenty of parts to to carry us until the next time we set it up. You know, for instance. Do you sense. feel like he he asked kind of uh, the sort of what John asked was uh, uh, like how do you know when to stop making parts? And may, maybe your guys' answers do that, but but more explicitly, like, do you guys both, Dalen and uh, Lucas, do you guys both feel like you kind of just produce as much as you can, or do you feel like you could accidentally? make too much of a product and and they're all just useless oh no i've, I've definitely made weight i mean i've made way too many of certain parts uh -huh. uh, and i a little of that is sometimes my fault you know and sometimes it isn't you know like you'll look at data the past three months you're selling you know 20 or 30 or something each week and you're like oh like this product is 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 the shit like i'm gonna make right yeah and then the, the the next year a quarter comes around and everyone's had enough and you're like, well, I have <laughs> estimated, you know, enough for one quarter. Now I have enough for the next three quarters. So, oh, yeah. Um, yep. yeah, it's yep. always hard to use previous data to do that prediction analysis. So, uh -huh. 
um, you know, we, for us, you know, we'll, like I said earlier, you know, David, we'll, we'll choose like a timeline that seems appropriate based on current sales. And then we'll increase that appropriately for like, let's say the, the next batch, you know, if the sales look like they're growing, we'll increase it to say like, we'll have enough stock for, let's say eight weeks instead of six or, or something like that. Um, if we're that that's interesting how time-based it is. Um, and cool. Grant, how about you as far as inventory customization goes? Yeah, so uh, I have a lot of things that I'm actually planning on, and then I have the things that we're doing today, mm-hmm. and it's all because of the Gaboon. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's probably a similar story to Dalen, is the laser the laser texture stuff added a whole lot of customization that we could do. Essentially, it's a five-minute operation on an easy-to-set-up machine right before you can assemble it. And so there's not like a day lead time it needs to go through a tumbler or like anodizing is messy or and it's similar to anodizing i guess yeah um so right now what we're doing is we just stock we're, we're cranking raw parts out the wazoo and then uh since we're doing drops we're like okay hey we want to do 10 of these 10 of these 10 of these etc and then we just anodize all those for there assemble all of them and then ship them once or uh sell them once we have them assembled and ready we do sharpen post sale because we offer different sharpness options. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and again, it's all the same knife. It's just like, hey, this one right before we pack it, give it a give it an edge, and then good, good to go. Uh, but for the gaboon, something that I'm really excited about actually is utilizing the laser and the essentially the canvas of having a flat handle scale like that. Mm-hmm. So whenever sales slow down to the point where, uh, like you know, a drop isn't going to sell 200 of them. It's like, okay, maybe we'll just sell 30 at a time. Then I'm just going to open it up and have all of the options available and build to order. But the build to order is essentially, again, a five minute laser op. And then you right. assemble the knife and you, you're good to go. Um, so we'll still inventory raw, unanodized, but finished, like machine finished and tumble finished parts yeah. so that all the long processes are done and all that's left is like super quick stuff. Makes sense. Yeah. And I wish aluminum anodizing was like titanium anodizing. Yeah, I mean, so right. I've got I was supposed to have that. Yeah. <laughs> I got 200 Hognose handles sitting on a desk. <laughs> right. Yeah, my I think my my end of 2022 goal was to have aluminum anodizing house and boy did that go great. Yeah. That's not worth it. <laughs> well, I guess it depends how good your anodizer is. Maybe <laughs> maybe it they're is worth good. It. They're pretty good. The only problem is they don't do teal and pink. The amount of messages I've had that are like, you need to do teal and pink. I've, I've lost count. Dude, Dude, I might be able to my, get you that too. Yeah. My local shop. Uh, so I, I went through two guys or one guy at first and then I'm on the second yep. guy. First guy, he had like four color options. And the second order I did through him, which was the bigger order, because I, I did a, I think 30 handles and I was like, yeah, that was a nice order. order. Yeah. And it was 200 hand or 120 something handles, I think, uh, for that order. Yep. And th- we got them black, which is like standard as standard yeah. gets for Anno. And they were all completely shot. Uh, I think it's, he called it smut or something, where mm-hmm. the there's black that was rubbing off, like not even hard rubbing right. off on your hands. Uh, and it would discolor when you... And whatever, we sent them back, he got them fixed, came back, and then now all the tolerances are shot because yep. they he over acid etched them. So mm-hmm. completely just botched that entire thing. Found another shop, which is actually uh, the shop that gave me a really expensive quote price uh, yeah, the first time I sent them. 
Yeah, something crazy. I think it's three or four bucks a handle or something like that. Uh, mm-hmm. But I was like, hey, you know, at the end of the day, for what I'm doing is essentially a first run of these. Maybe the upcharge isn't so bad if you guys do good work because I just scrapped 100 handles for a dollar. Right. I mean, it's fair. Uh, yeah. So I sent it to those guys and they did a phenomenal job. And I actually went to the shop because it's local to me and walked through the whole thing. And they're like, yeah, if you want to do custom colors, just like let us know. Oh, we'll do that's whatever. Awesome. And so yeah. the next the next thing I was like, hey, can you guys match this color? <laughs> and it's it's a cyan. It's like a greenish purple or a, a greenish light teal blue kind of thing. Yep. Uh, and they've completely matched it, which as far as I understand, in the aluminum anodizing world is very difficult to do uh, right. to actually match color. So, yeah, That's I've tried cool. to get them. To, I hand them something that my anodizer did. And I'm like, hey, yep. you did this green. Can you do another of this green? Nope. And then they didn't do it. Yep. <laughs> so all, all I'm saying is uh, even if there there is a shop that gives you an expensive quote price or if you want to go to the shop that's near me, um, sometimes there's some diamonds in the rough that you just got to pay for. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> that's super cool. I have one question for Lucas before he has to hop off. Yeah, what's up? So. And this is probably a pretty open ended question, but uh, sure. How do you know when you need to hire and, ha- and and how do you identify when it's already too late? <laughs> um, is there a particular position in mind you have in mind, or do you want me to just say that like vaguely? Um, so like right now we're we're contemplating like we need someone else in our shop, and it's mm-hmm. it'd be a more general hand, but primarily for assembly. Mm-hmm. And I've been trying to identify like is this something I need to do now? Is it already too late? Like if I'm already thinking about it, is it too late? And the finances <laughs> revolving around it, and yeah. Well, I mean, I, I don't think it's ever necessarily too late unless you're right. you yeah, trying yeah. to assemble for Blade Show West, then yeah, it's too late for that. <laughs> yeah, then it's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but like, you know, if you're thinking that you need it, then, and you're wondering if it's too late, then it sounds like you really need it. But to, to answer your yeah. question, you know, like, how do I know? Right. Um, it's really a lot of feedback from my guys, and it, it all centers around, like, particular bottlenecks, right? Like, Obviously, like you guys have goals, and you want to hit those goals, and yep. all of you and your guys have limited hours. And if you guys feel like you're not able to hit your goals with those hours, then the only way to do that is to either shut down other projects or mm-hmm. to work overtime. Then, you know, the obvious answer is to either get more efficient so that you're using, you know, your guys and your machines more better than they are now, or right. obviously um, hire more labor and just get more yep. more manpower. Yep. In- so I would imagine that you guys are already extremely efficient. And so <clears throat> I feel like it really comes down to the particular position and you know, exactly what you need. You know, if it's something as simple as like a machine operator, for me, I, I feel like that's, that's something that you um, don't necessarily have to invest a lot into. You know, if you need someone right. like an engineer, like a senior machinist, a manager, like those kinds yep. of things obviously take a lot of resources from you to – look around, look at resumes, interview a lot. But if you need someone yes. just to be, you know, manpower, put stuff together, press a couple of buttons here and there. Um, to me, like if you're able to utilize relatively cheap labor like that, so that you and your other guys that are more valuable and their time is valuable, then, you know, you're doing yourself a disservice by making them do work. Right. Skill level. Totally. So, yeah. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I, I guess to some extent, like every, you know, we have, we have four people now, and every single time I hire, after I'm always 
super scared to do that investment and, and bring them on. And then I bring them on and a week later I go, wow, why didn't I do this six months ago? Yeah. I mean, I, I say it's, it's always a conversation you should have with your team because your team, right. you're sharing that work together, right? Totally. If, if you're the one laying out the goals and say like, guys, we're going to hit this by this deadline. And your team goes, Dalen, that's literally impossible. <laughs> yeah. All of us be working double. So then the answer is clear, right? Right. Right. So you have to understand like, also, like, how hard are your guys working right now? If some of them are like, "Hey, actually, you know, Dalen, I've been, I've been sleeping while the machines run in production." Well, then you're you're probably not right. So the feedback from them is going to be a critical yeah. part of whether or not you want somebody. But yeah, it totally. sounds like to me, it sounds like you need somebody. I don't, I don't work at your business, and it, yeah, right. <laughs> it sounds like you need somebody. So I'd recommend hiring. <laughs> awesome. Okay, cool. Well, there's the answer. <laughs> cool. I mean, yeah, it's. I guess at the end of the day, it's always just a. It's a financial worry. Yeah. Obviously, but, there is, there's always the investment part where you do the training and you have like that mm-hmm. process and no one wants to like waste like, you know, days or weeks of trading onto a guy who sucks. But um, to me, like the value that's potentially lost of not doing that investment is much greater than that. Right. Like, totally. yep. or like even if, you know, you hire the guy and uh, you get a great use out of him for three months, but then, you know, there's a downturn and hopefully not. But like then you say, oh, I'm sorry, I got to let you go. But you got to utilize him. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was money well spent. So, okay, cool. Yeah, well, I appreciate that insight. Mm-hmm. It's it's tough though. It's always tough to to know exactly when. Um, right. I, I, I mean, I was talking about like how how um, you know, lots of times you just kind of want to just try to do both of of whatever options. But with with hiring, you know, it's like a person and. <laughs> They, they get attached or they move and then you have to pay them unemployment if you fire them or whatever, you know, it, it seems yeah. like a really scary thing. It is. It is very scary. And yeah. from experience, like laying off and firing is, is still, it is probably the most difficult part of the job. And it, uh, right. several times this year and it's, it hasn't been easy no matter how, no matter how good the terms are, whether or not it was like a friendly, you know, way or not, but yeah. Um, right. Yeah. Or part yeah. of business. Yep. How many people were on your team before you got benefits for the company? If you don't mind. Before, before I what? Before you got like, uh, you have company benefits now, right? Like insurance, yeah, we, we, all that we, stuff. We, um, so I, I think that we started adding benefits when we got to like around, I think around your size actually. And Okay. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think off the top. How many of my, people is that? Um, we have five I, on payroll, so yeah. So okay, um, we have holiday pay, uh, which I think is pretty standard for most people. Yep. We have yep. all that stuff. Certain, we have a certain amount of vacation hours that are granted based on how many years they've been with the company. So I think we have like a zero to one, a two to three, and a four to five, or some, something of that nature. Okay. Um, and then for medical, we cover. Uh, our medical coverage is, is exactly half of whatever plan the employee chooses. Okay. So whether or not they want a premium one or, you know, uh, yep. a broader one, then we'll, we'll just do it whatever half. Right. Are uh, those for the, I guess medical in particular is the one I'm, I'm, I'm really trying to hunt down and figure out. Is that something that you've started working with other insurance companies to offer through your company? Uh-huh. Or is that something where your employees can just go get whatever plan they want? Yeah. So, that would be done through another company. You you negotiate that rate for like your entire company. So right. you 
tying everybody up at the at the same time and then yeah so interesting okay yeah that's what i'm kind of starting to look into now and that's the one yeah. that's been elusive to me for a bit yeah other small things that we offer is um i think we offer like a very ba- basic dental plan just general cleaning no like invisalign or cool shit like that <laughs> uh, and then i think the last one is we do have some tuition reimbursement so let's say if a guy in assembly, you know, we want to transition them into a machinist. We'll say like, Hey, like, right. we'll pay your tuition to go to machining school. Um, as long as you get a passing grade and you can nice. provide, you know, details to that and then we'll, we'll reimburse all your, your schooling. That's super so, cool. That's actually, that's something that was on my mind recently because our only assembly tech is 16. He's graduated high school. Um, and he probably wants to do college and so that's something that's been in my mind. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely benefits is a is going to be necessary as you want to as you figure out new ways to obviously retain people. So right, yeah, benefits something that I I I really want to do correctly and something I want to offer soon. Yeah, so. at the forefront for me when it comes to like employee retention, mm-hmm. uh, I've been super focused on uh, benefits. Uh, I think the only thing I changed to the benefits is that I added the day after Thanksgiving this year. Nice. Okay. This year I added President's Day. And the day after Thanksgiving as two more holidays in the year. Oh, nice. I actually think I'm going to add one more next year. I'm yeah. going to add the Monday after Blade Show Atlanta because I uh-huh. hate going to work. <laughs> I, Yelp, that I, sounds I, awesome. I've gone, to, I've gone to Blade Show Atlanta and, and exhibited at the show the past four years they've had it, excluding obviously uh-huh. they didn't have it. Right. And dude, that Monday after Blade, that shit is rough. Dude, yeah. Yelp. I should, like, be guys, I should go to see like most of them. Half of them just call out. But right. Well, that sounds so that sounds great because i also was gonna say like there's so many more holidays in winter than summer it feels like right it's Mm. it's nice to get a day off in the summer yeah that's why yeah we actually that's why i chose president's day because um between new year's and uh i think there's something in march uh memorial day there's, there's a huge gap between that that's why i chose president's day Nice. Um, nice. Yep. What, what I was going to say is that, you know, I haven't been thinking a lot about benefits for me, like for employee retention, I thought a lot about ways to improve and retain the company morale. And so yes. I tried like a variety of uh, simple ideas just to improve that. So Oh, did people cut out? <laughs> he said it's eight o'clock. I got to go. maybe maybe it is time yeah so i mean it's i'm glad people have a good time i was actually planning a movie night too Um, uh lucas i don't know if uh, you heard me and grant talking but i think you cut out for uh, oh sorry sorry i was gonna say we did a um we did a company potluck so nice the potluck was great i wasn't there to attend the potluck um but (laughs) i heard it it was a really great time so i'm I'm glad Um, I was also planning a movie night the same night of the potluck last week. Uh, we have a projector, and I was just going to project onto one of the walls. Um, That's cool. Uh, in the past, I've done – I brought all, all of them to Golfland. This is a mini golf place. I don't know if you've been. Um, okay. It's a mini golf place that has an arcade. So oh, nice. Excursion. We've also done a company badminton where we, you know, we'll, we'll go out and we'll yep. rent a couple courts for an hour or two hours. So, so when you do that kind of thing, do you schedule it on a, a weekend or a weekday? It, I, I've done both, you know, sometimes I, I think that, I think that like that type of stuff is important, but I think there's like a, a culture 
that people talk about with young people where where they don't like the kind of you know enforced fun where they yeah. like you know lose lose the end yeah. of the day so lose I, their weekend I, I, stuff I've, I've been aware of that so so i've done i've done both like the badminton and the golf land that was on company time um but i've done like bowling events that are let's say 9 p.m where it's after yeah. we'll, we'll go to like billiards on a saturday and it's at like 10 p.m so like nice I'm, I'm so yeah um, definitely the events during company time are way more popular because it's easier to have <laughs> yep, fun yep. instead of uh, you know, doing a regular grind. Oh, so, totally. Um, I guess it just depends on generous. I'm feeling that. And I try to, I try to make it diverse and fair. Um, right. Or, or at least it should be optional, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I, uh, no matter whether or not it's on company time, I've never made a company event mandatory. Uh, I think right. that's cruel like it some of the people <laughs> didn't want to go to badminton they just wanted to keep working which was fine with me yeah. you know right so, yeah totally um so yeah those are those are things that i've been i've been thinking about a lot because i think having fun and making sure that people like being around each other and enjoy having teammates um at the very least is, is really good for company morale oh totally i mean i've almost every job i've worked at i've hated until now and so i want to make sure i can have that not be the case for anyone who works for machine wise yeah. for me my goal is that i I try to alternate between months between uh, me buying lunch for the company and um, if I don't buy lunch for the company that month, we'll, we'll do a company event. So that's been something I've been doing. I like that. I might. That sounds like a lot, gonna, but cool. I'm going to try to take that to heart. Uh, I also buy donuts for the company every time we get a new toy. And, uh, nice. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah, I try to bring in pizza or, or bagels frequently. That's good. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. Well, stuff like that goes a long way for the guys. Totally. No, I, I mean, so many studies and things, you know, it's all just just about human relationships and, and trying to, to maintain them. So many people don't actually hate their job. They just hate the people they work with or their boss or whatever. And, yes. and um, you know, yeah. you can you can have a crappy job, but if it's if it's with people you like, it's a lot better. Oh, totally. Yeah. Alrighty, well, I, cool. I gotta head out, guys. It was yeah, great. totally. As you're talking to all of you, thank you so much for having me. I would love to be yeah, back. Thanks for coming. Um, anytime in the future, but yeah, have a great night, guys. Thank you so much. Likewise, dude. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. Man, yeah. All right, take Good care. to talk to you. Bye. Cool. Nice. Cool. Well, we're all right. At an all right. Hour. Worst worst thing you've dealt with this week? Go. <laughs> Let's see. Um, Grant, you go first. A worst thing. Uh, honestly, I had this like weird epiphany or not epiphany. Uh, I don't know. I had a, I had a moral conundrum when it came to Thanksgiving holidays for like myself. Uh-huh. Uh, cause well, so one, we, since it's just me and Zeke and Zeke is basically my friend more yeah. than an employee. I was just like, Hey, just let me know what you want to take off. Uh, and he's a workaholic, so I'm never worried about him taking too much off. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think he took Thanksgiving off and that was it. Mm-hmm. And, but, uh, Kaylee's family, they were going to do Thanksgiving and then, uh, was Thanksgiving on a Thursday? I can't remember. Yeah. Thanksgiving is always on a Thursday. Yeah. So she wanted to go up Wednesday and then do Thanksgiving and then the Friday and obviously the whole weekend. Uh, if you're going to stay there because there's a few towns away. And I felt so guilty for not being in the shop. So I was like, right. I have to, I, I can't do that. Like I can do Thanksgiving, but like, if I'm going to take Friday, I got to come home and work the weekend. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and I ended up actually not doing that so much. Uh, I good. came home and just did a bunch of chores around the house because we, <laughs> we let it go for a little bit. Um, but that's probably the worst thing is like I had an actual guilty conscience about taking a break. And then there's this whole like spiral of like, maybe I'm working too hard or maybe I'm not working enough or whatever. So no, I, uh, I, I, can, uh-huh. I went through that too. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, uh, you know, I got sick a couple times and dealt with some different things that took me away from work. And so I felt, I felt a lot of guilt about, you know, like how long things have taken with these scissors and it, you know, is worse when I, when I feel like I'm not working on a day I should have been. And so I, I, I was kind of really worried about Thanksgiving. Uh, and I did feel guilty going into it, but kind of yesterday, uh, Sunday, I didn't work. And towards the end of the day, you know, that guilt started wearing off a little bit where I was like, you know what? I actually kind of look forward to getting back to it. Like, I'm not just dreading it. Like, maybe maybe I kind of did the right amount of breaking and relaxing. And 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 today was, you know, pretty chill. Nice. That's good. Yeah. Hmm. Other than that, I think everything's been easy. So, daily okay. That's My good. turn. Gosh. Uh, I must be a pretty simple creature because... Um... Mine was just I was fight. I've been fighting six sixty four uh, thread tolerances. Oh, sick! <laughs> yeah, that you made up yourself. Oh <laughs> uh, no, they are actually six sixty four. Um, I was looking into go no go gauges for them. Um, and I found one finally after spending way too long looking, but it was like four hundred bucks and it had like a seven week lead time. Oof. So, uh, so I didn't buy it, but um, funny enough, the threads were dialed when I was when I was single or uh, when I was thread milling them, but yeah. that's just not the right way to do it on a lathe. And I finally yeah. got the micro 100 stuff going and the tool has been incredible. Um, but uh, there's a learning curve with how many you can run before comp needs to happen to keep it in. Uh, interesting. So that's really all I've been fighting. So I have a, today I have sifted through about 600 pivots so far, one by one checking threads. And I have another like 600 to do. And then I have like 700 screws I have to check. Is there a way to automate a check in um, the lathe? So, can you probe it, or do you have? Uh, no, you can't really probe a thread. But I mean, in the lathe, probably not. I have thought about a little, a little jig, or like just a little, like you know, just a little machine that I might throw onto Martin's plate at some point, mm-hmm. assuming it ever gets that important. But like, you could use a really light torque wrench, and then just have a spindle that spins a spins the screw into a pivot and if it yeah. doesn't go in i don't know i've had thoughts about I mean, it because i was sitting I mean, there what just checking what if you just what if parts. you just check the parts like after a run of like a 25 of them and if you right. know that so, batch isn't good you go to the last batch yeah so what really needs to happen is i need to do what john does uh john grimsmo on his lathes is he he had a little he has a, like little, a little bin, bin that rotates Every so oh, often. Yeah. yeah. Um, because so like it's fine during the day when I can check it every, you know, 30 minutes to an hour. Um, but it's it's not good when I want to try to get a night run out of it. Yeah. Because, you know, I'll I'll check it all day and then I'll I'll check it right before I leave. And we've made, you know, 400 parts so far, whatever. And it's all checking out great. And then I'm like, OK, cool. I can run overnight. And then I get in in the morning. And then basically like every single one from the point I left to now are bad. <laughs> Can, can you run other lathe stuff at night and then do screws during the day? 
Um, it's it's really just a matter of like we've only we've only been using these single point micro one hundred tools for like yeah maybe a thousand parts each, and both of those were one run. So I just need to sit down and pay more attention to where, and then just put in some auto comp to it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's oh. less of a problem, more of just a learning curve. You right. guys, you're running parts, right? And you're just letting uh-huh. the lathe run, but you're not actually counting the parts, are you? You're like manually no, counting so, parts of the lathe. Isn't. No, so uh, the lathe has a parts counter on it. Um, it's just in software. Every M30, it, it ticks up a counter. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you can have it stop after a certain amount of parts. Um, and so usually I'll 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 set that that part count, like max part count for however many that I, I know in the past I can get. Mm-hmm. So it's it, I just need to accumulate more data and and improve on the process. And so I mean, it's, you could, it's common, you, but yeah, you could just do something where it like when it counts to, I don't know, 100 or 50 or 25 or whatever, just pause mm-hmm. for a second and then somebody has to hit OK for it to continue. So you right, just the, detect the last 25. You just need yeah, to check for the day run. It'd be good for the yeah. night run. It wouldn't be right. But then what you could do is like based on those 25 or 50 group that data, then you yeah. would know the night run was going to be good because of right. But you, know, I mean, you're going to run it long enough to find out. Yeah, basically, we already be. have the data. Now I just need to implement it yeah. um, because I've done one run of pivots and one run of screws with the single points so far. And it's, mm-hmm. it was about a thousand of each. That's nice. That's pretty great, honestly. Yeah, and f- and both tools are still kicking strong. Like they're leaving really good finishes on the thread. Still, we haven't chipped the tip of it or anything yet. So, like the Micro One Hundred single point threading tools are awesome. Yeah, they're cool. I just have to dial can, it in. They're cool because they got the, at least on mine, the quick change thing. The coolant yeah, jet yep, is yep. right. I got the little quick change, so we yeah we can just pop it out, pop it right back in. Yep. Yeah, super nice. When um, you asked that question, yeah. John, was there something you wanted to share? <laughs> oh no. I don't. I don't even think I've run that many pivots, so it's like I don't, no, no, I don't no, have no. Well, sorry, sorry. To... When you asked the question about uh, at the start when Lucas left about uh, what horrible, what's the most horrible thing that happened this week or whatever? Oh no, no, no I don't have anything. Oh, okay. I just didn't. I just want to make sure you didn't have some crazy story you were trying to get in. Yep, I'm standing here in my burned down garage. The sky is <laughs> open. <laughs> you know what? Actually, the worst thing that happened this last two weeks was our shop almost burned down. Oh, oh. Did, it, did it really? Yeah, tie fire. Oh wow. no, it's happened. Oh, oh it happened. shoot! Now yep. I got to think about it. Yep. <laughs> um, so, well, so it it was a very avoidable mistake. Um, so we have and it so we have our bandsaw, just our little crappy three hundred dollar Harbor Freight bandsaw, and it cuts all of our bar stock, all of our bar stock. But specifically, we use it primarily just for cutting down our bar stock that we use for our for our weights and our and our products like our serif weights and it's brass. Yeah. Um, however, I'm doing a run of different products for someone else, and they have titanium weights in it. So I have titanium bar stock. It's the same bar stock we use for our for our uh, clips on our pens. Mm-hmm. Um, but we don't cut it on the bandsaw typically until now. And it's you know it's like we have to make like three or four hundred of these weights. So we've been cutting titanium bar all day on this bandsaw, and we have a little chip catcher at the bottom, like a dust collector, basically just a bin. And so we built up a bunch of titanium in there, of you know titanium dust from a bandsaw. Yeah, that's that's um, and we don't have any vices in our shop except one that's on our Miltronics, which is so it's it's unaccessible or our bandsaw vice. And so whenever we need to chop something off with like a Dremel or something, we put it in the bandsaw vice. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so 
I forget what mm. Jacob was cutting, but he had to cut something with the Dremel. So he chucked it up in the bandsaw vise and started grinding on it and making sparks. And it just shot a spark down into the pile of titanium. Oh, man. <laughs> oh. Um, so like, and that's well, dry titanium, probably, right? Like it's Yeah, not... it was just a bunch of perfectly dry powdered oh, titanium. <laughs> um, and so I walked in like this happened probably like, you know, 630 in the morning, hours before anyone else gets in except Jacob. And I roll in, I'm just catching up on everyone. I'm like, so how's everything going? He's like, yeah, everything's going really well. It almost didn't, but everything's good. <laughs> He's oh, like, boy. I'm like, what do you, what? He's like, yeah, well, you know, light, light fire hazard happened. Um, and so the, the bucket melted and, and whatever, but we had a fire extinguisher, thankfully. And he oh, nice. had, you know, he, he was quick to action. He got the fire extinguisher, put it out, but yeah. So yeah, titanium, it makes fire, fire bed. Yeah. Well, I'm glad I don't use it in a bandsaw, so I wasn't yeah, right. that hard. Yeah, it never would have happened. It's just we 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 only just started cutting titanium in a bandsaw, so I'm going to get a new bucket that we empty every single day. That's a good idea. Yep. Also, maybe no more Dremel on the bandsaw. <laughs> I would yeah, maybe yeah. just... Maybe you guys need a bench vice. We need a bench vice, man. <laughs> yeah, so maybe yeah. just a bench vice. We need, well, we need space for a bench vice. Well, oh, yeah. In, yeah. <laughs> we don't have space anymore, dude. New shop time. You needed oh, a bench me. vice. You, you need a new shop a so shop. That you can own a bench vice. That's yeah. <laughs> it all makes sense. It's it's it makes perfect sense. But yeah, so I don't. That's technically the worst thing that happened the last two weeks. Well, nice. I don't think we're gonna top that. So <laughs> should we call it, guys? <laughs> what, John? Did yeah. you go? I've just been doing three D printed like process improvement stuff and then working Ooh, nice. on the, the new the bamboo shipping box oh yeah nice oh, are you printing your packaging now almost hey. i'm almost there but i've fallen into the the oh, adhd no. trap of like <laughs> the uh what's what's another word for it um hyper fixation like when you have you have an idea and then you follow that idea around and then you're like that was easy and you're like wait what about this idea and then you yep. do that yeah uh-huh. Like a, I, there's a term for it, but so that's oh, basically what happened with the box. contraption collection. Yes, <laughs> basically <laughs> happened with the box where I'm like, it's just the box, and now I'm like, but it's got magnets now. <laughs> <laughs> lots of, Hell lots yeah, of magnets. Because magnets- are you stopping mid print and and embedding magnets and then letting it finish the print? Yep. Yeah. Yep, let's awesome. go. There's the magnet to hold the driver in. There's a magnet to hold the knife in place there are magnets to hold the box when it's closed and there are magnets to hold the box because you can take the inner box and flip it around and turn it into a display so it holds the display in place it's kind of complicated and i'm like i can't believe i spent i don't know how many hours on it but (laughs) Uh many many hours though like a display that comes with your knife would be cool yeah but the issue well like I don't I I have no boxes so I'm like I have to finish this before I can ship any of these, these uh-huh. books out. but at the same time I'm like would people be happy knowing that I spent this long on this box so, some in will in my some experience will. yes a lot of people will yeah I was so I, hesitant I think that's to do true, 3D printed packaging but first. from from a perfectionist who's only sold one thing uh physically uh I think that you got to just shoot for 90%. That, yeah. That's been my strategy is if you just, you could just go forever coming up with ideas. So just 
when it gets to 90% in your head, when it's like, this is 90% as awesome as I want it to be, then it's like, start tapping the brakes. Yeah, it's it's yes, almost yeah. done. But the 90% thing right now is the overhang wall quality or the overhang finish, like on a flat mm-hmm. surface. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, this is good enough because nobody's going to see this. Like yeah. Exactly. Right. That's, the, that's the 90% part where it's like, to fix it, to get to the 100, it, it'll take like quadruple the time it's taken to get to 90%. Yeah. yeah, and and like, the other thing is like some of these, the problem, the problem with this whole thing is I was like, okay, I don't think I'm gonna be able to make a slider box because if you make a slider box, you have to have huge overhangs because the inner uh-huh. box has to go into the outer box, and then I'm like, oh. no, that's what I want. I'm going to do that. So I did that, and then I'm like, before me and overhangs weird relationship, I'm just like, okay, functionally it look it's fine. Like it functions right. as a print. But getting overhangs to actually look good, even on like something as kind of dialed in as the you know, the bamboo labs or whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. It's, it's still not that e- easy. And the other thing is like they so I'm using actual support filament uh-huh. for the water soluble stuff. No, this is just it's regular bamboo sells okay. it, but I'm switching to PTG because it's like twelve dollars yep. for a kilogram, and uh-huh. it's pretty close to the same performance as far as like removable support goes. But the problem is with it being single extruder is if you when you do when you have a specific support for PLA, you have to you have to switch uh, yeah. every time you want to you know actually print the support itself and typically the strategy is you just print the interface so the actual part between you know the part the interface and then the support the support gets printed in your normal pla in this case the support is printed or the interface is printed with that support stuff well like on on a lot of the parts of the model there's curves and the issue Uh is if you're supporting a ceiling above a curve you have to print that interface at every single at your layer height. And so what ends up happening is like on something that has relatively shallow uh, curves or quite a lot of flat surface, you still end up having to switch between the two on this, on the inner box that I was just printing. It's like 62 times. Well, 62 times the bamboo labs does not switch and flush filament that fast and times that by 62 times like that, that's what i was gonna say i was insane. gonna say like and pet g i've seen like more like youtube videos studying it it's not even that much better than pla in some ways it's worse and so yeah i i to me just stick with pla well the the PT or, or just PG. is just it's for, the the, it's for the support instead yep. of buying the support uh filament yeah. it doesn't bind to pla as much as pla does no no, no yeah. but i'm saying like you can obviously 3D print things with the same support as the rest of the print, right? Yes, but the quality is not anywhere near as good. And the other thing mm-hmm. is, like, I don't want to spend 10 minutes picking supports off. Like, right. I, I guess I've gotten some pretty good stuff where, like, you know, I model it in, in a way that there's minimal supports, and then sometimes, you know, you can get it where the supports are just, you know, super clean when they come off. But yeah. Yep. You know, I, like, I guess I, I guess I don't know for sure. Most of yeah, what I've had to print doesn't have a ton of support. There's a the the bottom of the the inner box is where the like the knife the authentication card's gonna go, uh-huh. and the the problem is, and it has basically it's it slides into this this really shallow pocket that's on the bottom side of the this inner box, 
and the top of the inner box is where the detail needs to be. So it's printed in that orientation where this shallow pocket on the bottom needs support because it's a giant open pocket that needs to hold a basically an index card size card. And then that card is held in by very narrow little tabs. I'm sure you've seen like a computer fan filter where you can like yeah. you can slide the removable washable filter off. Oh, yeah. That's like exactly mm. the same thing that's holding this card in. Well, those little tabs like you have an open support area or uh, open ceiling and then these little tabs and then above those little tabs is an open the open pocket for the card goes. So actually breaking support off using like PLA, both the interface and for your normal printing is impossible because of how tiny it is. Yep. So I kind of unfortunately have to figure out how to use yep. the supports. But I will say that the quality is noticeably like it, I think the time spent is worthwhile because oh, you can totally. print at zero interface height. Like you can yep. print at at that yeah. height. Yeah. Can I give my two cents on it? So we, all of our packages are obviously printed on our bamboos and, and we do multicolor for our packages. So I think it swaps filaments at least 30 times. Yeah. Um, I just accept it. Uh, like at the end yeah, of the day. Well, I have to, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And like chances are, even if you only get one box a day, that's at your current flow. It's that's probably going to keep that's up. That's way faster than what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of my two cents on it right now. And like what I did was, you know, if you get to a point where you need more than if you're selling one knife a day, chances are you could probably just buy another bamboo if you want to do anything. Yeah, that's true. I just yeah. like if bamboo came out with a dual extruder, that would oh, immediately dude. solve that problem. It would be it so would. fast. Uh huh. The big yeah. thing for me is I just, I really wish the AMS would work with TPU. That's another like that was a big almost like showstopper for me because I was like uh -huh. I don't want to put the knife on just PLA because I feel oh, like yeah. it's going to scratch. Yep. But I t I tested a it's bunch fine. and I it's feel totally like it's fine. Be okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, we all of our aluminum, titanium, every knife sit now just sits on PLA. It is not. Yeah. yeah and I made sure it wasn't going to rattle. I feel like right. the rattling, if it was going to scratch, would be yeah. that. And so I the don't know. The biggest thing. About the TPU it. not working in the AMS, that frustrates me. Mm -hmm. It's not that it can't push it into the extruder. It can't yeah. pull it back out. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's so frustrating. frustrating. Huh. Yeah. It's like you're doing the hard part of putting it in there. Why can't you just pull it out? Yeah. Because I had such a cool box design with, with TPU hinges and TPU pads and TPU little locking pins. And ah, yep. I want it. That's, I was doing that exact thing. And then I, I was like, uh, I'm going to Google like, just to make sure that this is a uh -huh. compatibility thing. And I was like, okay, yeah, it'll print just fine yep. on PLA. And then it was like, but you can't run it in the AMS. And I'm like, what's the point? <laughs> I know. So like I did a bunch of testing. I got one print that was like every single layer swapped between TPU and PLA. So it was, it was hundreds. Of I'm swaps. surprised you made it, made it that it far. Made it actually. once. And then yeah. it bricked the printer for like six hours. <laughs> oh gosh. Um, so yeah, just, just don't. <laughs> Yeah. I have a I have a silly yeah. idea for your QC card. Um, instead of support, what if you just did a layer stop, put the like a metal card in, assuming you're not using metal, uh, and then just print it directly on a metal card. That's a really good idea. Oh, or that okay. Yeah, I don't I understand just, that because I'm just, too tired. But I could probably just use. Awesome. I could probably just use the regular paper card. I'd imagine. Right. Well, yeah. I was worried uh, metal, just like the spring steel plate, 
you know, it cools down and then the plastic just pops right off. So right. I don't but know if still, the friction of a paper card would met. The, the bamboo metal plate still cut. I thought it was still coated in like PEI or something, though. It is. Yeah. Okay. So I don't yeah. know how good like you can 3D print to just like regular whatever well, metal he's using. The PEI is is for adhesion, and I, the kind of point here is that you want it removed. You want it to adhere. Yeah. So yeah. just I, I guess so it, it has to, to be completely it, honest, that's not the most complicated overhang. The driver pocket overhang is because it's a it's a deep you know it's like a four inch know. long deep channel that if you can't get something down there to pull supports out you can't support it kind of thing but right. uh what i'm doing with mine because i'm doing the same train as the three printed mm-hmm. packaging is i just deep chamfered uh any overhang part so like my yeah. my my knife actually fits in a chamfer and mm-hmm. so it's not fitting, sitting flat on something. It's sitting on the edges of a chamfer, and mm-hmm. the chamfer is—it's not supported. It's—it's it's a chamfer, so it just prints itself. Yeah, uh, super easy. Hmm. But I don't know if that's within the aesthetic that you want to go for. But it's already—it's already like ninety percent there. So I'm just yeah, living right. with—I'm just living with my really poor choices as usual. Like the same thing <laughs> with anything I design. I'm like, it's going to be simple. I just need this thing. <laughs> Right. And then after like day four, I'm like, I just want to be done. What's wrong <laughs> yeah. with me? Yeah. Then Godspeed, man. Godspeed. Right. <laughs> yeah. And uh, can I share two exciting things before we call it? Of course. <laughs> My God. Sweet. All right. David, Bye. it's okay. They can just hit pause <laughs> and come back. Oh, it's okay. More content. I mean, it's, it's more carbon. It doesn't have to be on the podcast, but I'm going to say it regardless because I'm excited about it. All right. Say it. Uh, thing one, clips are dialed on the lathe, and it makes me very happy. Hell oh, yeah. right, for the pens, for the pens. Yes, yeah, pen clips are dialed on the lathe. One op, one tool for all of the milling. Um, the subspindle comes up and threads a little arbor into it for support, and then it brings the parting tool down afterwards and then unthre- uses it as a stop to unthread it from the sub. It's super cool. That sounds like nice. a G-code nightmare, but you nice. Gotta Funny enough, video. It, I think I put a video in here of it unthreading itself. Oh well, put it so that the poor viewers, yeah. I mean listeners, can see. Then yeah, it's 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 in there on Instagram. Um, no, no, in in Discord. I know, but we're on it. We're still recording. <laughs> oh no, they don't get to see it. No. <laughs> oh no, they, I, they I get to see the finished parts. When the yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna do a whole video on it. Um, a lot of improvements to make. Still, some small things here and there for the clips. Uh, one little area that I want the finish to be better. Cycle times could be better. Tool life could be a lot better. But um, like we get. 10 guaranteed in a row with no issues. Super happy. I've ran like 30 so far. Nice. Excellent. And then exciting thing number two is we got our super expensive, what I thought was going to be really, really big indexable keyway cutter from PH Horn today. Mm -hmm. Oh, Um, to do our folder, uh, our, our integral folder handle channel. Nice. And so that's super exciting. Have you used it? You haven't used it though? No, not yet. We uh, okay. we actually got everything we need in today to make folders. Now I just oh, have yeah. to start the process of all of that. I don't I think even know if you've awesome. said you are making a folder on the podcast. I think you've just I said. Think I brought it up briefly. Yeah, we're going to be, yeah, we're doing a, in a grade five titanium integral handle button lock folder. And I'm super, Unbushing. super ultra excited. Yeah. On bushings, zero blade play. Perfect swing. Yada. The whole kitten. If we have talked about it on the podcast, I've definitely said. 
those are insane stats it's gonna have yes so yeah i'm i'm super excited for it um my long-term goal is to also use this keyway cutter to do our channel handles like slifties and whatnot it's just too big to fit between our parts right now the way the mm. fixtures are currently designed yeah it's tricky for part mission yeah no i yeah done so much weird experiments trying to figure out how to fit stuff with keyway cutters mm-hmm. so yeah this is an 80 mil diameter i don't even know what that comes out to in metric it's like two and a half almost three inches i think Dang. no it's no it's it's like three and a half almost four inches yeah. wow <laughs> honestly oh, yeah. i don't know if the part yeah. density is worth the swap for for your normal stuff i mean for integrals obviously um, makes, but no we could yeah enough, we could actually still do it so like with our like well specifically for our like like channel valley handles like a slifty handle right we get our our existing fixture is four up one four up two so two knives worth of handles every run yeah um the way I do it is we have the op ones on the bottom half and the op twos on the top half. Mm-hmm. If I would use this keyway cutter for it, I would just reorient it so there's all the slots are facing out. Well, yeah, it'd be on the outside though. So I'd have two handles on the left, two handles on the right with the slots facing uh, out, and then just put the put the four op twos between them. Yeah, that makes oh, sense. Oh, okay. That's, yeah, yeah, I think I get yeah. it. Yeah. So it, yeah, it's just I'd have, I'd, I'll get to that road when I get there. Like even through all of the Cyber Week sales, we still have some Slifty handles in stock, so I'm not too worried about that right now. Nice. Uh, I do have questions after the podcast, but those yeah. aren't yeah, it's t- for podcast. Yeah, it's time to yep. wrap but it yeah, up. Pens are dialed, um, so we're going to be releasing pens here really soon. Um, yeah, super excited. That nice. Is, that is all. All right, thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed all this bonus stuff, Pastor Lucas. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night.